wanted to say hello to you guys give me one second here uh, there we go and uh, let me put this on there we go my bad it was wrong loud <laughs> anyways uh, guys what a what a great morning man you know I got to sit here and and uh, get with Jesus man and get with my king and there's a lot going on, you know, uh, I, I said there's going to be a big announcement and, uh, you know, there is, and, and the big announcement is guys, we need your prayers for made free church, Idaho, right? Um, we, we really need your, your, your prayers. I mean, we, uh, we just went ahead and bought, 
you know, uh, some lighting. We got all the stuff that we need to, to get this church going. And it is such an amazing thing that we get to do this. God has opened up doors and God's going to continually open up doors, you know, for the finances and everything like that. So, um, you know, I just ask you guys to keep it in your prayers um, because it's so important uh, that we pray and stuff like that. And, and God's going to, God's going to move. God's going to move. And, uh, you know, um, we have a, a, a thing up. So if you guys do want to donate money, we, we are at 501c3. So you guys are able to do that or you guys can donate through tactical uh paypal.me uh, forward slash tactical ministries and just put in the notes there that it's for made free church idaho if you guys want to give uh we do have a cash app it's hashtag made free church uh, stuff like that so um that's if you guys want to support you know what we got going here in weezer idaho um but you know god's just providing man you know god's just providing so it's a good thing so Let's get into this, man. We're going to be in Romans. We're still in Romans chapter 8, right? And uh, this morning church service is deliverance from the flesh. We're going to be talking about what Paul is talking about here in uh, verses 5 through 11 in chapter 8. So, um, guys, just one announcement before we get started. If you guys need if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a prayer request tab. Um, and we'd love to pray for you. We are a praying church um, And we truly believe in the power of prayer. So if you guys need uh, prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org Put in your prayer request. We send that out to our team and they pray over it. All right All right guys, let's get into this Heavenly Father. We just come before you and we thank you for your word and We thank you for this this time that we get to spend in this season of just focusing on you and diving deeper into your word, Lord. And we love you and we worship you, God. And we just want to say thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. And um, just, uh, you know, get this lowly preacher out of the way and let your word go forth, Lord. Um, and let these people hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you guys want to uh, comment, go ahead and comment. I'll be looking at those comments uh you know back and forth from my notes stuff like that so um praise god right so the first verse of the you know the uh in, in chapter 8 verse 1 says this therefore there is n therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus everything else that follows in the rest of roman 8 tells us why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and the first reason is uh, why there's no condemnation is for those who are in Christ is because there is no condemnation from the law that is what the Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 8 1 through 4 the second reason there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is because we have been delivered from the flesh or as some versions put it we have been delivered from our sinful natures and that is what the apostle paul is teaching in romans 8 5 through 11. so let's read that right now and it says this for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit sets their minds on the things of the spirit 
for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that sets sets uh, for the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who Christ raised Christ, uh, uh, he who uh, raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life in your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, this this, this is a perfect thing that we got to understand, guys, right? You know, in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11, the Apostle Paul says that there are fundamental differences between those who are in Christ Jesus and those who are not in Christ Jesus. Between those two are the spirit and those who are in the flesh. Between those who are Christians and who are not Christians. The reason Paul tells us this is because that if Christ saved you, then it, he has necessarily changed you. In other words, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have not only been justified, but you are being sanctified as well. And uh, you know, today I want you to see uh, that there are, that there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because you've been delivered from the flesh. And my purpose is to show you the difference, right? One, the marks of a non-Christian, verses 5 through 8. And then two, the marks of a Christian, verses 9 through 11, right? So let, let's, let's, let's notice the marks of a non-Christian first, right? Before we examine the marks of a non-Christian, let me clarify what Paul means when he talks of the flesh. And in some versions, it's called the sinful nature in verse 5. Right? John Stott says it best when he says that by flesh, Paul means neither the softer muscular tissue which covers the bony skeleton nor the bodily instincts and appetites, but rather the whole of our humanness uh, a view uh, as corrupt and unredeemed our fallen egocentric human nature and more briefly the sin dominated self basically when uh, Paul refers to the flesh in this passage he's referring to a non-Christian so what marks or characterizes a person who is not a Christian Paul gives four marks of a non-Christian in this section First, a non-Christian is marked by his thinking. Paul says in verse 5a, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. See, non-Christians have their thoughts, interests, and desires, and purpose focused on this life. They do not look at the things of this life from the standpoint of God's glory or their neighbor's good. Right? They are, are self-centered. They, pers they pursue their own agendas and focus on things that are ultimately will pass away. In contrast, Paul says that Christians are 
those who are who live according to the spirit and set their minds on the things of the spirit in verse 5b that's the end of the verse one commentator said that one way to determine whether a person is a christian or not is to examine what he sets his mind on and where and when there is no distinctions right when there is no tv no work to be done no responsibility he is able to sit quietly by himself what does that mind drift towards does it drift for things of the flesh or the things of the spirit second a non-christian is marked by his state paul says in verse 6a that's the beginning of the verse for to set the mind on the flesh is death see paul is is not speaking of a physical death he's speaking of a spiritual death what he means is that the non-christian is unresponsive to the things of god and as a corpse is unresponsive to the things of life non-christians simply do not care about the things of god they do not care about god who he is what he has done his word or even how to respond to him right so dr martin uh, lloyd jones one of the great welsh preachers of the last century relates a classic case of his lack of spiritual life in an incident from uh the lives of of william belforce a man who led the movement to abolish slavery throughout the british empire and william pitt the younger who is the prime minister of england wilberforce was a christian and while pitt was not a christian however these two parliamentarians were friends and wilberforce was concerned about pitt's salvation see in those days there was a great preacher in london whose name is richard cecil wilberforce loved to listen to cecil preach the gospel and was constantly trying to get his friend pitt to go with him to hear uh, cecil preach pitt kept putting Wilf, uh, wilberforce off but at last after many invitations pitt agreed to go hear cecil preach cecil was at his best that day preaching the gospel clearly wilberforce was thrilled he could not imagine anything more wonderful he was delighted that pitt was with him to hear cecil at his best but as they were leaving the service afterward pitt turned to his friends and says you know wilberforce i do not have the slightest idea of what that man was talking about clearly pitt was dead to the things of god as if he were physically a dead man and that is true of all non-christians third non-christians are marked by his religion having just said that non-christians are dead to god it might seem strange to say that non-christians are marked by their religions but all non-christians are religious they that there is one common denominator that is true of every single non-christian regardless of his religion right and that is hostility to god Paul says in verse 7, the mind of the flesh the, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Non-Christians are opposed to God and his word. They reject his rule by doing what they want to do rather than what God commands. 
the late Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, a pastor over at 10th Presbyterian Church, noted that a religious a religion writer once said in the future that we were likely to see the growth of the a la carte religion. By that, the writer meant that people would choose the items they like from a potpourri of religions and then combine them to make their own comfortable religious systems. And that, but, but isn't that already the case? Aren't we already seeing that today? You know, we have New Age, which basically does that. We have, you know, uh, Hebrew Roots, which basically does that. We have the coexist movement that already does that, right? And, and you know, so we have all these religions and we have all this stuff and it's already taking place. We're already seeing that today, right? In our largely irrational age, it is common. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really a common thing for people to hold many mutually inconsistent ideas the only force holding them together being their own individual attractions to them right and, and and this is the this is what all religions already are in one sense right they are a collection of human thoughts held for for no other reason than that they are comfortable right they are comfortable because what they actually do is to protect their own inheritance from the only, from the only truly uh, valid claims of God, and you know that's why Paul says non-Christians are hostile to God and why they do not submit to Islam. You know the two together, and they don't submit to to God's law because they're hostile to Him, and because they're hostile to God, they inevitably construct a religion that protects themselves from Him, and fourth. A non-Christian is marked by his present condition. Paul says in verse uh, uh, verse 8 that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How could he? If a non-Christian is hostile to God and resisting God's law, how could he please God? You know, perhaps that you know, you're concerned a little bit of whether you whether or not you are a Christian. Paul is showing you that there are not three categories in, the, in, in this world, non-Christians, spiritual Christians, and carnal Christians. In fact, there's only two categories, non-Christians and Christians. Well, it is true that, that Christians struggle with sin in their lives, and sometimes very badly. They nevertheless are on the path of discipleship that keeps them, from, keeps them growing in Christ. Non-Christians, of course, they have no desire to please God. But Christians want to please God and go forward with God. Now, if you have taken sin too lightly, it's probably good that, you know, if, if I have caused you to become worried about your spiritual condition, right? The Bible says that we are to examine to ourselves to make sure of our calling in 2 Peter 1.10. And, and you should not be at ease in the matter. You should not rest until you are sure that you are really resting in Christ Jesus alone. And yet, yet we're studying Romans 8 and the purpose of this chapter is to give you assurance about your salvation. Romans 8 teaches that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the reasons that we can have confidence is there's no condemnation for you 
that you have been delivered from the flesh right now let's notice the marks of a Christian in verses uh, 9 through 11 right Paul says that a Christian is marked by three straight three states the first a Christian is marked by his past speaking of a Christian Paul says in verse 9 you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit in fact the spirit of God dwells in you and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him you know now notice the the apostles ruthless logic here right number one if you do not have the spirit of Christ you don't belong to Christ and if you do not belong to Christ you have and if you belong to Christ right two if you belong to Christ you have the spirit of Christ and three if you have the spirit of Christ you are not in the flesh but in the spirit in other words if you belong to Jesus you will live like it right if you don't you don't live like it right you, you don't belong to him regardless of your profession but this isn't but this this is meant to be an encouraging you know as I said which is why Paul begins with the set with, with, with the sentence he does he is writing to Christians in Rome and says to these believers you are however not in the flesh but in the spirit that is he's assuming that these professed Christians really are Christ and he is trying to explain the difference their view uh, identif uh, their their new identification with Jesus has made and will make in the future what's the difference that has it made well when you look at the when you look to the past which that is what the apostle does first you see that Chris that as Christians you have been lifted out of your former sinful fleshly state and into the realm of the spirit you are now in the spirit as as Paul also says here is the spirit is in you it's huge guys it's huge this is 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 and an absolutely critical thing for for it means that being a Christian is not merely a matter of adopting a, a, a particular set of theological beliefs, but you know that that is true. It involves a change of state, which is accomplished not by you, but by God who saves you. And it, it means that you will live like a Christian because God has stilled a new life in you. And second, a Christian is marked by his present in verse 10 he says but if it, but if Christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the spirit of life because of righteousness see this is a this is a difficult verse because it basically means that although your physical body will die and is in a certain sense as good as dead is now your spirit will be made alive by the Holy Spirit because of your new relationship with Christ. What does it mean to have your spirit made alive in the Holy Spirit? Paul is talking about the present experience of a Christian. And remember, he's, he's so he means that by a new birth, the spirit has made you alive to the things that were dead to you before. What are the things that are now alive to you? Well, the first thing you have become alive to God himself right but before you were born again 
you may have believed that there was a God, but God was not real to you and certainly was not personal to you. You know, when, when, when you were born again, this changed, you know, um, and there is still much you don't know about God and his ways, but God is real to you. You know that God loves you and he's watching over you. And, and, and you have not only become alive to God as a result of the Holy Spirit's work, but you have also become alive to the word of God. It is in the Bible that God speaks to you clearly, regularly, and forcefully, right? Before you were born again, the Bible was just a strange closed book. Little in it seemed to make sense, and you and you found it really, really boring. And when you were born again, all that changed. In fact, the most common expression among new Christians is the Bible has suddenly become alive. It, it now makes sense. It seems, you know, as if you're reading the words of an intimate loved one, which really you are, right? And finally, you have also become alive in the spirit in other Christians for just as the spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God in Romans 8.16. Does the spirit within you bear witness with the spirit in others so that you are that that you are fellow members of the family of God and that these others are your brothers and sisters in Christ? Let me suggest the following questions as a test of whether you are a Christian. First, is God real to you? Now, I don't mean, do you understand everything about God and his ways? Of course, you don't, uh, uh, for you will never understand God completely. I simply mean, is God real to you? And when you pray, do you know that you are really praying to him and that he is listening to you and will answer you? And when you worship him in church, is it, is it a real God that you are worshiping? Second, is the Bible meaningful, uh, a meaningful and attractive book to you now? And I don't mean, do you understand everything you read there? Obviously, you don't, right? <clears throat> but does it seem to be alive when you read it? Are you attracted to it? Is it precious to you? And do you want to know more about its messages? Right? And finally, are you drawn to other Christians? Do you want to be with them? Do you enjoy fellowship with other Christians? Do you sense how much that you have in common? If God is not real to you and the Bible is dead to you, and if you're not drawn to other believers, then why do you think that you're a Christian? You, very may, you, you may not be one. But on the other hand, if these things are true, you should be encouraged by them and press in and following after Jesus and chasing after him. And third, a, a Christian is marked by his future. In verse 11, Paul says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. See, Paul is speaking about a future resurrection in, in, in and he regards uh, that is uh, as as a as certain for all who are in Christ you know in, in fact 
he could hardly state in a, it, with greater certainty for in developing the point of the apostle brings each member of the trinity as to say that your final resurrection is as certain as god himself you know at the resurrection being freed completely from sins penalty power and presence you shall be with god in heaven forever now these are marks of a christian of the christians past present and future you know when i think of the past present and future of a christian as as these verses in romans cause us to do i remember uh, a story told by a, 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 a Bible teacher I heard it online Harry uh, it was an audio but Harry Ironside right um, and it was told in his in his study of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 which you know provides a similar description of what he means to be a Christian so you know he said this Ironside was was riding on the train in Southern California on a Saturday when a gypsy got on and sat beside him and she said, how do you do, sir? Would you like your fortune told? Cross my palm with a silver quarter and I will give you your past, present, and future. And Ironside asked, are you sure you really want it? You can do that. You see, I'm Scottish and I wouldn't want to spend a quarter and not get my full value of it. And the gypsy said very earnestly, yes, sir. You know, I can give you your past, present, and future and I will tell you all. And Ironside said this, well, it is not necessarily for me to have my fortune told because I've, I have had it told to me already. It is written in this book and I have it in my pocket. And the gypsy was astonished. You have this, you have it in a book, she said. Yes, said Ironside. And it's absolutely infallible. Let me read it to you real quick. So he reached in his pocket, pulled out the New Testament and began to read Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. And it says this, as you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the, uh, the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thought like the rest, we are by nature's objects of wrath. And, he, and Ironside said, well, that's my past. And the woman had been startled when he pulled out the New Testament out of his pocket and tried to get and, 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 and now tried to get it away from him. That's plenty, she said, right? I don't want to hear, I, I don't want to hear more. But wait, Ironside, there's, there's more. Here's my presence too, in verses four through six. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. No more, said the gypsy. But, Ironside, but you must hear my future. You are not going to have to pay me a quarter for it. I'm giving it to you for nothing. And it says in verse 7, in order that in the coming ages that he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us through Christ Jesus. Now at that time, the gypsy was halfway down the aisle of, of the train saying, I took the wrong man. 
see we're dealing with a, a different text of course but the specifics of the past future and 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 present of christians described in 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 romans 8 verses 9 through 11 vary from what is said in ephesians 2 but it's basically the same idea christians are people whose past have been altered before you were dead in sin now you're alive in christ your presence has been altered too you have been awakened to the reality of god the beauty of the word of god and the presence of the spirit of god in other christians and finally you have changed future before you right for in time death will overcome you will be raised in a new resurrected body like the resurrection body of Jesus Christ and you will be with God and Jesus forever that's what the Bible says are you a Christian by all means ask yourself that question and be sure of your answer but when you are sure be sure of this truth too that there is no condemnation for you because you are a Christian and have been delivered from the flesh you know that's that's what it's what the Bible says and and if we're gonna be really looking at the Word of God we we got to understand that we struggle with sin guys and we're always gonna struggle with sin but the difference is is how we respond to it in other words we do, do we do do we deal with it on our own or do we put it at the foot of the cross right god guys this this whole journey through the book of romans is amazing 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 God is opening the door so for so many things right now and he's going to continue that if you chase after him if you're right with him and if you're going to be going after him and you're going to be reading his word and you're going to be listening to worship and you're going to be doing the things that God has called you in his word to do right all right oh Guys, thank you for being here. And thank you for all the podcasters. And guys, you know, get these videos out to people that are unsaved. Let them hear the true, unadulterated, infallible word of God. Share your share the podcast. Share the, the, the videos. You know, we want to reach as many people as we can. And in a month or so, we're going to be in our building, hopefully. And I will not be in my home doing service. I will actually be doing service at a church, preaching to others. But we will be filming it as well. God bless you guys. We love you and we're praying for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. We ask that you bless the people that are listening or that are going to listen. We ask, Lord, that you do a major change in their life, Lord. 
Lord, thank you for our salvation and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, God bless you.